Well, those of you that know me know I am married to a school teacher. And because I am married to a school teacher, I get a front row seat to uh, educational issues, to educational reform, to anything related to education. I have a front row seat because I'm married to a teacher. And I've heard Jenny say more than once over the years, if they would just let me teach. Any of you, I see some of you teachers smiling right now. If they would just let me teach, there's always a them, and they're always stopping things up, those people, okay, those evil people. But she says it all the time, and in any given year, there are 25 or 30 different things that the school system will say is important. Reading intervention, math, the new math way, RTIs, ARCs, IEPs, they have all these acronyms. They have more acronyms than the government educators do. And they have to do all 25 or 30 things. Sing these songs and sing them a certain way in the hallway as you're taking your kids from point A to point B. I mean, blah, 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 blah. And every single one of them is important according to the school district. But if you pull my wife aside and you, and you sit her down and you're like, Jenny, tell me, really, what do these, ki- what do these kids need? What, what, is there anything that's most important? Hands down, same thing every time. She teaches early primary. They need to learn how to read. Reading unlocks everything else. If you don't know how to read, you know, you know, you're sunk in the water, okay? So reading and reading comprehension. Have you ever had a boss who thought that everything that boss told you to do was equally important? Maybe some of you are students and you're a student right now and you have a teacher or a prof who thinks that every point on their slide, every slide is important. You need to write this down. Are you writing this down? Until one of your classmates raises their hand and they say, um, Professor Miller? Yes. Will this be on the test? Right there as a student, you know what's important based on Professor Miller's answer, okay? Um, uh, churches. Churches will sometimes fall into the trap of making everything important. We'll say that you've got to have all the right doctrine. You've got to have your eschatology, your ecclesiology, your soteriology. You're like, what are those things? That's like theology, and it all rhymes, you know. And, and back when I was younger, I remember as a Baptist encountering other people, and if they were just a little bit off on one little doctrinal issue, I was really concerned for them. What? Yes, okay, the church, and sometimes the church will go into things that are practiced. They'll tell you, you need to attend church, you need to give, serve, be in a group, and do all this other stuff. And I mean, not everything is equally important, is it? Have you ever been whitewater rafting? If you go whitewater rafting, the guide will stand at the end, and he's usually some rugged 20-something, okay, uh, and a bit cocky. And he'll explain, okay, seven to ten things that you need to do. You need to paddle. When they say paddle, paddle hard. Paddle, paddle, okay? You need to sit a certain way in the raft. There's seven or ten things. But really, there's one thing that's really, truly important. If you fall out of the raft, float feet first. If you fall out of the raft, float feet first because you don't want to go pink. And secondly, you don't want to try and stand up because you'll drown. See, living is really important. Okay, so all of the, the seven or ten things that the, that the rafting guide tells you, really it's just one thing that's important. French President Nicolas Sarkozy may learn this the hard way. I don't know if you read the news yesterday, but American moms are ready to take the Wall Street protest to Paris. Apparently his wife, uh, I think her name is Claire, I can't remember her name, she just, had, she just gave birth to their daughter. Only he wasn't there for the birth. He was at a meeting of European nations to try and figure out what to do with the Greek problem. 
Now, let me ask you in this gym, 10 or 15 years from now, do you think Nicholas will be happy that he missed his daughter's birth? No. No matter how important the Greek bailout is, humanity doesn't rest upon it. <laughs> okay, the fate of humanity doesn't rest upon it. Okay, so some things, some things are more important than others. Not everything is equally important. And when it comes to your personal or family life, you can fall into that trap of thinking that 50 things or 100 things and you keep doing, 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 doing. And, and before you know it, you know, you're just like an educator. You're just like a teacher. It's normal to be that frenzied. And we talked about that last week. But I think that's why so many of us are reactive, stressed, uh, frantic. It's why I think in part the divorce rate is 50%. It's why in part I think that there are kids who grow up to become adults who aren't able to make wise choices or have some character issues. I mean, think about it. If married couples focused on what was truly important in their marriage, they'd probably stay married, wouldn't they? Or if parents, I mean, it doesn't always play out that way, but I mean, come, on the whole, if parents focused on the home and what was really, truly important in parenting, wouldn't we have more healthy adults? So today, today, I want to help you craft a personal or a family rallying cry. And this is a tool to get you to focus on really, what's really important in your life right now. What's really important right now. And if John Piper were to come in, he would stand here and he'd make this caveat. And he would say this. What ultimately will go in this box is of secondary importance because it's God's glory and God's fame that is ultimately what's most important. It's all, everything in life is really about God. And so everything other than God is of secondary importance. But isn't it true that it's the secondary importance things that can really trip you up if you don't have them right? And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. And in order to do that, I want to peer into the life of Joshua. So we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1. And that's in the Old Testament. It's in something, isn't it the fifth book of the Pentateuch? I never studied Torah. Okay, so Joshua, the book of Joshua, uh, the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 10. Moses has died. Leadership has been passed off to Joshua. And his job is to take this group of people, the people of God, the Israelites, into this land that God promised he would give them. All right, and so here it is, verse 10. Joshua commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. This is the thing that God has promised. And Joshua himself personally had to wait 40 years to see this happen. Remember, he was one of the 10 spies or 12 spies that scouted out the land uh, and he's the one that came back and said, we can take it. This is awesome. We need to follow through on what God has promised. And everyone else, you know, chickened out. And so they all had to go wandering the desert. Wonder, wonder, wonder. That, uh, back a long time ago, that was actually the tourism slogan for Indiana. Wander Indiana. Like, who would want to wander Indiana? I don't know, but they thought people would, okay? So wandering the desert, all right? So... Verse tw- let's keep going. Verse, uh, verse 12. Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. He told them, remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. He has given you this land. This place of rest, there's a word, nuach, okay? 
it means kind of freedom from threat, but a state of all-around well-being. Doesn't that sound nice? A state of all-around well-being. That's lovely. God wants his people to experience the rest of a right relationship with him. All right? And that's what he's saying uh, that is accompanied by occupying the land. But there's this, 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 this problem, there's this issue, verse 14. Your wives, your children, and livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan, but your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest as he has given you rest and until they too possess the land your God is giving them. Only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that the Moses, uh, the servant of the Lord, assigned to you. So what's going on? As the Israelites came up to take the land, there's a big chunk of the land that is um, what would be west of the Jordan River. And then there's a smaller chunk of land that would be on the east side of the Jordan River. And right in this moment of Scripture, they're on the east side of the river. And there are about three tribes and that have this part of the country. It's their land. They're there. They made it. They're right where they need to be. They could start planting crops. They could start settling in towns. They could finally start their lives but they haven't taken the whole land. And so Joshua has this rallying cry, and Joshua's rallying cry is, no, 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 don't be tempted to stop now. Don't be tempted to settle with what's on this side of the river, all of us, all of us together, and you warriors from these tribes. In fact, you're going to lead the way. All the other Israelites are going to be behind you, and we're going to take everything. We're going to take the land, and we're going to take everything now, and that's what's most important. Not everything is equally important, right? You know this to be true. Jesus himself had a clear purpose, had had in his mind what was most important at any point in his ministry. Uh, let, me, let me give you a few examples out of Jesus' life. Luke 19.10, he says, I came to, to seek and save that which is lost. Don't distract me from what I'm here to do. John 10, 18, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. What I'm doing is directed by God, and I have clarity about what I'm here to do. Uh, John 10, 10, I came that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. My purpose is clear. Jesus at any time knew what was most important, and he could have quit. He could have let other people, he could have let the Pharisees dictate what was important, couldn't he? I mean, weren't they always off to the side? Well, Jesus, you know, you really shouldn't be healing on the Sabbath like that. Jesus, you know, I don't think you should be teaching those things about God. That's not what Rabbi Shemaphe said, okay? Always murmuring, always complaining, always having a second opinion, third opinion. He could have let those people dictate what he did, but he didn't. He didn't quit. He didn't let others dictate his priorities. He was focused, and that kind of focus, that kind of clarity, allows you and me to understand what we're not supposed to do. That kind of clarity uh, will give you and me the ability to say, I'm sorry, I can't do that right now. This is my rallying cry, all right? So um, Nate and Ted or Dave, can I get you to pass out some papers to people? I'm going to give you a tool right now today that I've stolen 
from a man, uh, a Catholic named Pat Lencioni. Pat writes mostly books on business leadership, but over the course of doing that for many years, uh, he would have people come to him after conferences and say some version of this. Hey, you know what we were talking about today in the seminar? Like, I'm thinking that could really be helpful for my family. And Pat would kind of shoo him off and go, oh, no, 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 I'm talking about business. Business and family are two different things. Can't talk about it. Finally, after being dogged for years, he gave in. And he said, you know what? You know what I've realized? In business, especially in big business in America, we're focused on the goal. We know exactly what it is we're doing. We have a strategic plan to execute it. But in the relationships that matter most, our marriage relationships, our parenting, our families, we just kind of fly by the seat of our pants. We react to what's going on. We don't have any clear plan whatsoever. And and a light bulb came on for him, and he said, what if married couples were actually intentional about their marriage? What if parents were actually intentional about their parenting? What if families were actually intentional about some things? and had in their mind a clear picture, snapshot of what was most important at any given time, wouldn't that make a difference? And so I present to you what we're going to call a family scoreboard. Last week we asked you, okay, what makes our family unique? What makes me as an individual unique, right? And that kind of goes up top above this thing. But you're going to see in front of you um, several things. You're going to see a blank version of this, you're going to see a handwritten version. This is one that Jenny and I just, just did. This is your, and, I, and I asked Jenny permission if I could share that because this is personal for us. You're seeing personal things. So there it is. My life's an open book. It's on printed paper. Ah! Okay. So, and then there's another sample example. All right. Here's the question that I would ask you this morning. What's your top priority? What's your rallying cry right now? Or what's your family's top priority? What's your family's rallying cry right now? If I could accomplish one thing over the holidays, what would it be? I mean, think of between now and January 1st. Now and January 1st. If we could accomplish one thing over the holidays, what would it be? And the reason, and and I want to suggest a time frame of anywhere from two months to six months. And here's why. Anything over six months, it's too far off into the future, and you're going to procrastinate. Anything less than two months, and it's really not enough time to implement the kind of changes and do the kind of things that you want to do to get where you want to be or get where God wants you to be, all right? So two to six months, somewhere in that range, all right? Here's some some rallying cries examples. Uh, I've I've heard people say versions of this. We need to finish our move into the new house. That's what's most important. We need to quit fooling around. We need to unpack the boxes. We need to actually put pictures on the wall. We need to develop systems for our families. We're just tripping over stuff, tripping over life. We just need to finish the move. I've heard people say some version of this. We have to tackle our finances and have a real plan. In the next three, four months, we need to have an actual spending plan that is working and that we're sticking to because we have some financial goals. Uh, I've heard people say, we need to make a final decision. Are we staying or are we moving? We can't be having these conversations. We can't keep coming back to this. And then, well, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. And, and we ne- we're never getting anywhere. We're never resolving anything. We're never finishing the conversation. All right? Sometimes this rallying cry that goes right here, 
will center around one member of your family. Sometimes it'll be Johnny is struggling. Johnny is like a grade and a half below grade level. This we're done. Everything else is secondary. We're going to make sure that we get Johnny in the next seven months, you know, in the next five months, sorry, six months, we're going to make sure he's where he needs to be academically. Sometimes it will center around uh, one of the adult family members. Dad's depressed. Ever since he got laid off, he's just been in a funk. He hasn't been to the doctor. We haven't done anything. We kind of tiptoe around it. We're going to address this issue, and we're going to address it head on, Okay. Is this starting to click with you now? As we're talking about things that are specific, I bet as I'm mentioning these things, you're all, I bet you're thinking of that one thing for you. Because most of us know what's really important when we start hearing specific things from other people. All of a sudden we go, oh, this is it. This is what it is, okay? So that's your, that becomes your rallying cry. What is the one thing that if you could do between now and the end of the holidays... What would that one thing be? And that goes right here. That, that becomes your rallying cry. And I'll, I'll explain how this tool works, all right? So you write down whatever that is. And I've given you mine, all right? What does mine say? Mine's a handwritten one because I don't care about the... Oh, and if you're sitting here and you're geeking this out and you're doing the whole, oh, honey, <clears throat> I could put this in CAD and uh, we could make this web-based where you push the button and... Da-da. No, 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 no. That's not the point. <laughs> The point is to actually have something that you will use, look at regularly, and, and, and help you to focus on that rallying cry. For the Vanderpools, our family, we want to create a peaceful, routine family life that includes fun time together. We had a rough year last year. Mom and Dad have been focused on some things. Jenny and I want to be refocused at home in a way that we haven't been. And, and, and I'm just, my life's laid bare in front of you. So now I know you're going to be asking me about Saturdays and other things. But... This first set of boxes underneath your rallying cry, these are what's called defining objectives. And they simply uh, complete this phrase. To do that, we will. Um, Maybe the thing is, we're going to finally settle one way or the other. Are we moving? Are we staying? To do that, we will. Uh, Bob is going to call the company in Ann Arbor, and we're going to have the kind, he's going to force the interview, and we're going to sit down. we're going to really evaluate and, and sit down with each of the kids and determine how vested they are here, et cetera, et cetera, okay? Boom, 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 boom. You map it out. So uh, defining objectives are the five things or less. If you have 15 things, you have too many. If you have 20 things, you have too many. Five or less. Because your hand has how many fingers? Hold up your hand. This is an indicator from God. <laughs> No, 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 that's cheating, Joe. (laughs) There is no eight-fingered man. (laughs) Um, So five, five or less. Now, what are these set of boxes on the bottom? These in the business world are what called, they're called standard objectives. These are the things that if you stop doing them, life falls apart. And, And in our family, I've written off what some of those are. No due debt. No due debt is tied to uh, weekly grocery shopping. When Jenny and I weekly grocery shop, everything's set there. We have backup meals for when life gets crazy, etc. Um, and so you need to figure out, usually there's some version of this. Faith, marriage, kids, school, health. Those are usually some version of those things are on the bottom. And they're things that, again, if you don't do them, life falls apart. All right? 
What do you think of this tool? You think you could take this tool and run with it? The purpose of this is to sit down and have a conversation with your spouse, or if you're just a single person, to sit down in a nice place and and channel the Holy Spirit, (laughs) okay? And figure out, what is my rallying cry? What is our rallying cry right now? Over the holidays, what's the one thing we want to accomplish? Can you imagine... I mean, come on, think about it. You, you, I bet on the tip of your tongue, you're starting to think about when that one thing would be. What a Christmas gift to give yourself and your family come January 1st to be there or to have made some significant ground to get there, right? This is all about intentionality. Here's how this tool can come in handy. Once you've made this map, you stick it somewhere. Maybe it lives on the fridge or the mirror in the bathroom, wherever you're going to see it every single day. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about that bottom part, which is how are we going to talk about the answers to these questions? But that's that's the tool that is the built-in accountability mechanism to make sure that you're actually making progress on this. Here's why this is important. In the absence of a rallying cry, you and I succumb to all the good opportunities that come our way. And we say, yes, yes, and oh, yeah, the kids probably should stay in soccer, and oh, yeah, I need to, I probably shouldn't bow out of, and, and, and then it becomes the, <laughs> and, and you're in frenzied. No, 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 no. What's the one thing? Focus on that one thing, and you really could make some yardage. Like Joshua, see, Joshua was focused. Guess what? They took over the whole kit and caboodle, it took some time. But those guys from the eastern tribes, it's in Joshua 22, verse 6. They've taken over everything. And Joshua says to them, thank you. We're done. We hit the goal. We've accomplished what God wanted us to do. Now you can go home and rest. 